You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. All right. Hey, welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. Uh, Today is a great episode and it's one that I... I'm going to consider it a gimme. <laughs> it's uh, It didn't require much research or anything. It's just something that I love talking about. Uh, and it's all about building physical resiliency. And I believe that there is a very efficient way of doing that. And I might be biased. And I'll just say it now. I'm, I'm going to show my bias today and that's fine. Uh, but I think the most efficient way of building physical resiliency is through CrossFit. There, I said it. <laughs> so that's that's essentially what this episode is going to be about, um, is talking about what, what that means. Uh, what does it mean to build physical resiliency and how we can go about doing it? Even if it's not CrossFit, I think there's still ways of doing it um, that would be of benefit to you, the listener. And now I have uh, Ingrid with us. She's, uh, she's going to help us dissect and maybe prescribe some uh, advice here on on how we can build that physical resiliency. Welcome back, Ingrid. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for that that instant pressure. I'll, I'll think about that while you're talking. <laughs> right. On. We don't we don't do a lot of preparation before these. It's mostly uh, hey, what do you want to talk about today? And then this is the the topic. So, here we go. So, I'd like you to start with uh, I guess what were you doing prior to CrossFit for your physical health and resiliency? Oh, well, Prior to, you actually know, but it's uh, going to be a fun story to share. Uh, mostly a lot of running. Um, that's what I did for myself to keep fit, to expel extra energy at the end of the day, uh, keep my mind a little bit straight. And um, Well, you were a teacher. How do you have any extra energy at the end of a day? <laughs> Well, I needed I needed to get rid of a little bit of that uh, extra energy. Some of it would come out as a cranky mom after a long day of teaching. Some of it would come out as a cranky teacher during the teaching day. So I found that in order to be a calm um, sort of still person in my in my own psyche, that I had to get rid of some of that extra energy, and I did that through running. Right on. And then how'd that lead into what you're doing now? <laughs> well, Kevin, you were my running partner at that time, and you would often talk about CrossFit, and I would often make fun of it because it has words like snatch and jerk. <laughs> and I like to make jokes, as most people, anybody that knows me knows I like to make jokes. So I used to make jokes a lot about the words that you would say and the things that you would talk about people doing in the gym because I'd never seen them before and they sounded so foreign. But I do remember one little jog that we were on and we stopped for a break and you said, uh, hey, can you do a push up? I'm pretty sure this was in Centennial Park. <laughs> it was right around Jones Lake. Okay. <laughs> I remember specifically. And I said, of course I can. I'm fit. I run. <laughs> I can run around, circles around you, Kevin. Of course I can do a, a push up. And you said, prove it. So um, that didn't go so well. 
And from that sort of moment on, I realized what you wanted me to realize on my own. Thank you for getting me there. That there was a little bit more to uh, to physical fitness than, you know, just being able to do a lot of cardio work and, and expel that extra energy. So I kind of realized that at my age, especially, I was 40 at the time, and that in order to last a long time and be one of those people that keeps up with my kids and grandkids that there was going to be more to it than just chasing them around. So uh, so I gave it a go, and here we are. Here we are. How many years later? Five or six. I remember after that that initial time where I asked you to do push-ups, we would do runs, and then any time we would come up to a picnic table or something, you'd be like, you should go do some push-ups on that picnic table. <laughs> and then you would do some, and then we'd continue running. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. Oh, the good old days, now, Run, running around town. Now we're just doing 8,000 squats in two months just for fun, <laughs> for a patch. Yeah. Well, that became the hard thing. Yeah. My hard thing was one push-up. That's not my hard thing anymore. No. I'm still figuring out what those things are and trying to do them. So a little little background on my, I guess, how I came into this. I was always the skinny kid growing up. Well, not growing up, but when I was in, you know, end of high school and even in university, uh, I have a six foot three frame and I weighed 155 pounds, maybe 160 on a, a wet day. Uh, and it was uh, kind of gross looking, I guess, if you want to say that. And I, I don't want to judge myself, but you, you were a kid. You could count my ribs uh, through my shirts very easily. I remember I would actually wear extra large shirts because they were so baggy. So you couldn't see how skinny I was underneath. And I was told by uh, another person, uh, actually it was a professor I had, that he also wore extra large shirts so people wouldn't realize how big he was. I was like, wow, it's interesting that we're doing it for the complete opposite reasons. Anyway, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, so yeah, like very weak, I guess. You know, I could move my body around, but I definitely couldn't lift anything <laughs> or really just do anything functional. So um once I started CrossFit, uh, that was in December of 2006, many years ago. I was a, a teacher at Tantramar, and I remember there was a, t a parent that came in for parent-teacher interviews. He was a police officer, uh, and he brought up CrossFit, and I was like, cool, yeah, I'll check it out, because he thought like I could do it with the, the students uh, for my phys ed classes. So sure enough, I went to the computer, and I looked up CrossFit, and I saw the workouts that they were posting on their website, and I was like that's just going to kill people. Like if people do those, that's, that's crazy. Who would do a hundred pull-ups? Who, who can even do that? Nobody can do that. Right. And I was like, so I, I hummed and hawed over it for a while. I think that those parent teacher interviews were in October and it wasn't until December where I tried my first one. So I went on, I kind of cherry picked, but I chose to do one called the filthy fifties and it's 10 different exercises that you do 50 reps of each. And I was like, cool, it looks fun. Like a lot of different things, a lot of different moving. And I didn't even make it halfway through before I had to stop. Uh, I think I got to the walking lunges and I thought, oh, there's no way it's just your body weight. There has to be weight to it, right? So I grabbed, 50, I think I had 55 pound dumbbells in each hand and I was walking, doing walking lunges down the hall of the school. Uh, anyway, that's where I kind of stopped. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do this anymore. It was like 55 minutes into the workout. I was like, I gotta go home and eat. And then come back and coach later. 
Anyway, the next uh, three days of that week, I could not walk downstairs. I actually had to ask the secretary of the school for the key to the elevator so I could go down to the gym. Uh, it was bad. Obviously, since then, I've taken numerous certifications and courses in CrossFit and otherwise, and uh, I understand the concept of scaling and relative intensity uh, and adjusting the workouts to your current abilities. Uh, so we don't, I would never do that to anybody walking through the door like, oh, it's your first workout. You should try the filthy 50s. That's what I did, and I couldn't walk for a week. Uh, no. We, we start people with where they're at, and there's obviously a better system into that now, but that was the catalyst for me. It was, that could have done one of two things for me. It could have either scared me away from it, and I would have never done it again, like, oh my God, that's way too hard, what did it do to me? Or, and this is what it actually did, it ignited a fire, and it's I told myself, that's something that I'm not good at, therefore I need to be better at it. And the benefits obviously are, are th ridiculous, right? Like we, we see the physical benefits. There's obviously some mental and, and emotional benefits that go with it as well. But um, since then, weighing 155, uh, I'm now still six foot three, or roughly, I might be shrinking a bit. <laughs> um, but now I, I hover between 190, 195. And I would say I look and feel way healthier than I did when I weighed 155. And that's why I hate why people use the scale as a unit of measurement for their progress. Cause it's not right. It's anyway, we can go on a, a huge tangent here about why mm -hmm. I think, uh, the numbers on the scale are useless. And I think there's an, a more important number and it's a very subjective number. I'm going down this tangent. I don't care. Uh, I support you. I know where you're going. I it, like it. It's it a good is, place. It is a number that you give yourself and it's your capacity or your capability. So on a scale of one to 10, how capable do you feel? And I'll define that for you. Being capable means you're able to do what you want to do when you want to do it, regardless of circumstances. That's it. So let's say... Uh, some friends ask you if you want to go rock climbing and you say, yeah, cool. No problem. Let's go do it. And then you're able to do it. You're capable. You feel capable. You, you are doing the things that you want to do when you want to do it. Now let's say it's, Hey, do you want to go for a walk, uh, up Poli mountain? And you're like, I don't think I want to because deep in your mind, you're like, I don't think I can. Then you're not capable. That's something that you're not capable of doing. Even though you would want to do it, you're not capable to do it. That's the number that's important, right? So for me personally, I, I would give my capability numbers like pretty high. I want to say it's it's almost a 10. Like all the things that I want to do, I, I just say yes and I, I, I can do them, right? Now, some things require work and training to be good at it. But anything that friends ask me to do, I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that you find everything easy to do. No. You just know in your heart that when a challenge comes, you feel capable to tackle it. Correct. Not that you're not going to work hard, feel pain, have to push through, have to dig deep, but you've done it before, so you know that you can. So, quick story. Um, I was one of the 
helpers, I guess, uh, in the town of Riverview where I'm from. And we helped build a uh, disc golf course. And the terrain is a little uh, sketchy at some points. There's, there's obviously some hills and tree roots and rocks and things to scramble over and stuff. Um, my mom is a uh, 73. She has gone through the course with me and she enjoys it. And I would consider her capable. She has a friend that wants to do it with her that wants to come out and, and try it. And then mom's like, I don't think she can. I don't think she can make it through the course, even though she wants to mom doesn't think that she's physically capable of making it around the course. That's not good, right? That's not good. It's, it's showing that she's lost her capability and her function to do the things that she wants to do. She wants to go play, but not her interest in doing the things she wants to go do it, but her body won't let her because of the way she has basically the decisions that she's made over the last X amount of years, right? Do you think when she goes out on the disc golf course, because this will happen, well, I then get, she will be realizing that perhaps she isn't as capable as she felt or perhaps that some changes need to be made in her life? There's, those are the two, the two routes. Either it's going to say, well, I didn't really want to do it anyway, and you know, you kind of shy away from doing it at all, or it ignites a fire to make a change. It's going to go one of both ways, one of two ways, right? Those, those are the ways. So what I told mom is actually, I said, just go out and walk the course. Don't play disc golf. Don't worry about all the other external things like learning the rules and knowing how to throw a disc and just go for a, it's a one mile loop, right? Just go for the one mile loop and see if she can make it. And if not, well, you'll probably have to call me and I'll come in and (laughs) save the day or whatever, right? Like, rucker out of the the woods but um yeah (laughs) that's that's kind of what brings us up that was a long introduction to this topic here (laughs) oh are we still introducing (laughs) oh yes i've got my first bullet point sitting in front of me still so the idea of building physical resiliency i think revolves around uh one main idea and that is when you're training you need to include functional movements. That is the, the main topic here of this, this podcast today. So what functional movements that such a bastardized term these days, like a lot of people think, um, holding on to a, a kettlebell over your head while single leg squatting on a BOSU ball blindfolded <laughs> is functional. Right, like it's functional for making ooh, us laugh on social media. That's that's all it's functional for right now. I think. Right, so like basically everything under the sun these days is functional, and that's not really true. There there are parameters or or definitions that that are used in CrossFit that help define what what is a functional movement, and the first one is that uh, functional movements are natural. They're things that you just see not just in the gym, but outside of the gym. So for instance, if you have to pick up some groceries off the ground, what are you doing? Deadlifting. Yes. Yeah, I got it right. You're doing a deadlift by picking something (laughs) up, right? Have you ever had to move a chair or a couch with a friend? Awesome. You've done a deadlift. 
That is a functional movement. So learning how to do it properly in the gym is going to translate very well into what you do outside of the gym. What do you do? Do you lift with your back rounded out? No, you, le you learn how to lift with your legs and keep everything braced, right? So that's just one example. Uh, another one, if you have to um, poop in the woods. Oh, I got this one down. Squat. You got to squat, right? If you're pooping in the woods, you got to squat. It's Western society, we've kind of screwed, us, screwed ourselves um, by having chairs everywhere. We're sitting in chairs right now. Sitting is basically the new smoking, right? We all know that. It's not good for our bodies to sit. Our bodies really just start to shut down and um, start to reinforce poor body posture, which then translates into everything that we do in life. So squatting is a natural movement. Nobody invented it. Nobody, nobody was behind a computer screen or a, back in the day behind a, a piece of paper and they said, all right, we've got to get this movement that's going to be really good for our our hips and our backs and our, our legs, and we're gonna call it the squat. The squat was already invented, right? We Bodies just, just do these things. They just do these things. Uh, one more example, if you, if you have to take something and put it up onto a high shelf, what are we doing there? Ooh, am I using my knees or not? No, straight <laughs> I'm legs. I'm gonna press it. You're gonna press, awesome. So a press is another functional movement. So they're natural. They're found in nature. These are things that we would do in our daily lives. What we don't do in our daily lives is a behind-the-back reversed wrist curl. Somebody invented that movement. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could figure it out. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, it's. I think I just invented it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of these movements that, that are invented uh, aren't natural, and we wouldn't consider them functional. Now that doesn't mean we should never do them. It just means that they shouldn't be the bulk of your training program. I'm not saying never do accessory work. I'm just saying your entire program shouldn't be accessory work. It should be mostly functional movements, squat, press, deadlift, run, jump. These are things that we do in our daily life. That should be the bulk of your program. Um, the next, Anything else on that, on, on natural movements? Well, just that CrossFit and, and, you know, any fitness program should be aiming for elongating your life and making it better. So if you're working on things like those accessory movements, well, that's fine. But I would just kind of back you up there and say the bulk of your movements should be functional so that you can be functional. Well, that, that really brings us to the next one, and that's that they're essential. Oh, great. Good, good segue. Seg you didn't even know. No, I didn't even know. They, they are, these functional movements are essential for your ability to exist in the, our current world. And independently in our current world. Correct. Yes, that's, that's so important. What is, I, I think I made a post on this on our uh, free community Facebook page, uh, Fitness Nutrition Mindset in Moncton. Um, we, we talked about that saying, what's the, what's the main thing that causes people to go into these, um, assisted living facilities. And it's when you lose your ability to do things in your daily life, like get in and out of a bathtub 
or get up and off of a toilet. Or pick yourself up off the floor if something happens. If you fall down, can you get back up? That's a burpee, guys, <laughs> right? Yeah, we don't just do those for fun. No. At least I don't. So these movements help us stay functional in our daily lives so that we are able to live our lives longer in a more sustainable way without assistance, right? We want to be free from having people wipe our asses. Oh dear, I didn't know us. you were going to go there, but yes, right? that's it. We don't we want to stay as independent as possible for as long as possible. I'd really like to bathe myself and go to the bathroom and get pick myself off the floor as long as possible without someone doing it for me. And so if your bulk of your program is tricep extensions and and bicep curls, cool, you might look really neat. Uh, <laughs> but that's not really going to keep you out of the nursing home, right? Yeah. So the, these functional movements are essential. Um, another component is that they're safe. You can load these movements up pretty heavy and we'll dive into that in a bit, but they're, they're safe in that because they're natural, you can load them up pretty, pretty heavily. So you can squat your body weight. You can't curl your body weight. <laughs> no, you can't. Right? So I'm trying to imagine that. They're because they're natural movements, they are inherently safer. And I'm not saying that you're never going to get injured by by doing functional movements. There's obviously a risk reward ratio in there, but they are much safer than doing isolated movements for maximal loads or, or maximal reps. That's, Agreed. That's all I'll say about that. They're, they're much safer. And then finally, it's functional movements have the ability to produce a lot of power. And I'll talk about why in a second, but what, what does that mean, produce power? So the, the definition here is that you're able to move a large load, a long distance, and quickly. And that's the, if we go into physics here, that's the power equation. Large load is your force multiplied by the distance, the long distance, divided by your time. That's how quickly you do it. So for instance, let's just take running, for example. We all know what running is. Your load is your body, your body weight. The long distance is how far you traveled. Let's say it was a mile. And then quickly is how long did it take you? So let's say that somebody, let's say six foot three, 200 pounds, went one mile and it took me 20 minutes. I can create a power equation out of that. Now let's say same height, six foot three, 200 pounds, but I did that mile in six minutes. What does that do to your power output? Drastically raises it. Throws it through the roof, right? Because I did the same work more quickly right? I did it faster. So therefore my power output went up. There's other ways of increasing your power and that's by increasing the distance that you travel. So for instance, if you're doing a squat, but you only go halfway down, you're shorting your distance in half. Therefore you're cutting into the amount of power that you're putting into it. Same with your weight. If you add a hundred pounds to your back squat, you're increasing the amount of force. You're still going to travel the same distance. 
you're still probably going to do it in about the same amount of time. So that will also increase your power output. So you can do it by increasing your weight or your force, increasing the distance that you travel, and then also doing it faster. And those are those the three components. Now, all that being said, why the hell is that even important? <laughs> why is it important to increase your power output? Because your power output is directly equal to the intensity. Going back to that running example, how intense is it if you go one mile in 20 minutes? Not as intense as six minutes. You could probably <laughs> walk the mile in 20 minutes. I could definitely walk the mile in 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. How much intensity does it take to go a mile in six minutes? <laughs> a lot. A hell of a lot more Falling power. down at the end, but yes. Right. Yeah. So it requires much more intensity to do that same work quickly. So that's why, that's first reason why it's important. And the second reason is that your intensity level is also directly equal to your results. If you just walk that mile every time, will you get results? Sure, depending on where you're starting from, right? It's called relative intensity. So it's relative to where you currently are. So we want to make sure that wherever you are, you're pushing that intensity so that you get more power, which will yield better results. And that's the idea behind functional movements being able to produce more power because you're going to get better results in the long run. You're going to be able to fill up your moving truck in the morning and then unload it in the evening rather than maybe take all day to load up your moving truck there and then go. take all the next day to unload it. So there. So the other, you mentioned this earlier and I, I wrote, wrote it down here, is all of these things that we've just talked about, there's an overarching idea here and that's age. How does age play a part in these functional movements? And you kind of already mentioned it before about you know staying independent uh, throughout your life. But I think there's, there's more to it than that. Well, for me, I just felt that my level of fitness was not going to sustain me into old age. I could see that the things I was not as capable of doing would just become less capable if I didn't do something about them. I was certainly felt capable uh, that I could chase my toddlers around because we've talked about the running part. But, you know, I got to a point where I just wanted to be able to do more, carry more, um, you know, lift my kid up and carry her for three kilometers when she falls down during a race. <laughs> well, I'm already wearing 30 pounds on my back. Like, I can do that now. I feel capable. I can take an eight-year-old on a race, and if I have to carry her, then fuck, that's what's going to happen. But six years ago, I could never have done that. Could you imagine? <laughs> I, that race was funny. Yeah, You're like, hey, we should ruck it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then your kid falls down, cries within the first three minutes yeah and then you carry for the rest of it yeah anyway it was fun seeing you guys at the finish line yeah yeah you had been there a while getting getting the medals and all the fun stuff at the end anyway <laughs> yeah imagine that having having happened well you probably wouldn't have had weight on your back in the first place no but imagine your kid falling down let's say well, let's say it was five ten years ago what would you have done called you <laughs> kevin come get me we fell down we can't get up or you just would have went home or just went home 
yeah. I guess, just walked home because there was no way we'd be able to finish it. At least not with me carrying her on my right. back. She was 50 pounds by then. So it gives you a, a new, I guess, mental yeah, gear. I'm, I'm glad I can do those things. And I'm extra glad looking back, you know, looking forward, I wouldn't have been able to see that. But looking back, I really see it now. How much better that is that I am able to do those things. So going back to the age thing, this is you're just you're creating an insurance policy for your life for later. That's all you're doing. You're doing the hard work now. It's like saving for retirement. Yeah. Except you're building your fitness and capability instead, for when you really need it. Instead of building your portfolio and your, your investments, you're just building your resiliency so that you're able to withstand the pressures of old age when they arrive. When they arrive, because they will. We're, none, none of us are getting out of this alive. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure that those later years are as enjoyable as possible and the way I do that is by getting uncomfortable now. I have to choose to be challenged now so that I won't feel as challenged when I'm doing everyday normal things when I'm older, period. I can't think of a better reason to do something. Yeah. So do you have to do CrossFit to build functional capacity and, and resiliency in, in the physical aspect of your life, no. What I do think you need to do is to do functional movements daily in order to do that. And whatever that looks like for you, do it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's one last thing here that is so easy to do. We all know how to walk. Why not add weight to your back? Just put on a backpack, throw some weight into it, and then just do the walks that you were normally doing. We call this rucking. I was reading a book. Uh, I've said this a few times, but The Comfort Crisis. And it was talking about how that's what our fitness was prior to there being, you know, the, the concept of exercise. It was just called life. <laughs> you would hunt things, pick them up, put them on your back or gather things and put them in your, your satchel and then you'd walk or hike back to your campsite or your tribe, right? That's, that was their physical activity. That's what they did for exercise, and that was just normal life. We don't need to do that now because we just hop into a very comfortable car, put on the air conditioning, and then drive there. We're sitting most of the time, right? And then we put things in a basket with very convenient, sometimes squeaky wheels, and then push it. We don't even have to carry our food anymore. We just push it around in a cart that has wheels and it turns, right? So different. And so that's why people, we need to exercise is because we don't get that in our daily lives anymore. But what we can do to go back to those times is rucking. And so in the book, they talked about, they were in Alaska and they, they, made, a, they made a kill and they had to carry it back to their camp. And one part of that, uh, the I think it was an elk that they had to carry, was 100 pounds. They drape it over their shoulders. They already had a backpack that weighed 70, 80 pounds. And then throw this on top of it. That's a lot of friggin' weight that they had to carry miles and miles back, right? So rucking is 
a very simple way to kind of go back to our roots of just carrying large loads long distances quickly. So now you're taking more opportunity to create more power, more intensity, therefore yielding more results from something that you would normally do anyway. And that's just walking, right? Absolutely. Add a little bit of weight and you're just kind of upping your capability if you do it over and over. I remember when I was reading the book, he was talking about this. And I was like, I wonder if he's ever messaged uh, Jason McCarthy, who, uh, who owns <laughs> GORUCK. I'm like, and then I flipped Turn the page. And so Jason McCarthy, <laughs> he was interviewing him in the book. Anyway, it was very funny that I thought of Jason right away. So um, if you are interested in rucking, uh, GORUCK is the company to look for. Um, they are kind of the rucking specialists. They have uh, packs that are specifically designed to hold weight. Uh, in a more comfortable way. It's not like a typical, just like a backpack that you'd find at a, a sporting goods store. Uh, and they're designed to to carry weight without breaking down. All their stuff comes with a lifetime guarantee. So if anything snaps or breaks, you just send it back, they fix it, or they'll give you a new one. It's pretty awesome. This is not sponsored by GORUCK at all, by the way. <laughs> this is just me. I have about six or seven GORUCK bags, and they are hands down the best best bags I've ever owned. Agreed. I drove to this. We drove to the States. Don't you have one right here? It's, well, it's under the desk. Yeah. We drove to the States to get it because I wanted one so badly for rocking. But yeah, it's a good bag. All right. So there is our, re that's our recommendations for building physical resiliency is through the use of functional movements. So that's it. Let's see you do them. Yeah. So let us know. Send me a message if you'd like. Uh, let me know what your uh, current fitness regime is and how it relates to functional movements and how it's going for you. It's been great chatting with you today, Ingrid. Great chatting with you as always, friend. All right, guys, take care. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe and I'll see you next time.